We uh, spent the last several weeks walking together through what it looked like to be the church, through some of the things that, that we are going to have to wrestle with in Scripture that the church is and does, and that it's not just this building that we sit in on a Sunday morning. That it is the church universal around the world, that it is our brothers and sisters in Africa and Indonesia and Iran and places like that that we don't think about. And it's also our neighbors right beside us. It's also those that we work with. It's those who don't know Jesus yet. But they get to see glimpses of what He looks like through us. And so it matters what we understand about the Bible and its application to our everyday life. We made a statement through that series and then we ended with Easter and talked about Christ's sacrifice and His resurrected work and all of the work is completed and we get to be disciples, right? That's what we get to do. And we get to help others become disciples. We get to make disciples, right? That are reconciled by their faith through grace to God. And then they're engaged inside of a spiritual community. People that want to protect them and lead them and guide them and and work alongside of that. And that's what disciples do. And we use that word a lot, and I want to take the next two weeks, and I'm just going to talk about two principles that that every disciple has to understand to begin. And if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, it is as simple as this, because Jesus says it to His disciples, He says it to the Pharisees, He says it in front of everyone that is important at that moment in time, that there are two things, right? That all of the law and the prophets, everything that He wants to accomplish, hangs on. And that is that you love God, and you love others. That's it. That's where the journey begins. So I went to seminary, put myself through five years of raising kids, studying, And I'm going to tell you what I learned was to love God and love others. (laughs) That's what the Scriptures say. The beauty of that is that everyone is engaged. That's the point. At some level. The difficulty is that everybody is engaged. Right? All the time. You're either struggling in your relationship with God or you're struggling in your relationship with others and you've got to work on them all the time because we're human and we're not perfect yet. And God calls us to do things on His behalf. We get to do these things that He's asked us to do. We get to make disciples. We get to help them understand what it means to have faith in a God that brought us grace. Reconciled us to His Father 
and then engaged us in a community of like-minded people together with the Holy Spirit. Hopefully pulling the yoke in the same direction, right? That's how it's supposed to work, to make it easier. That's what Jesus says, right? My yoke is light. It's easy. Because we're all pulling it together. So we talked about church and we talked about some discipleship, but I want to talk about those two things because it matters that you understand them to start this. That it doesn't mean that that it has to start with you deciding whether or not you're going to go to seminary. Right? That's not where it starts. And so I want to redirect your focus a bit in the next two weeks. And so I titled it, What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? And Jesus makes a statement as He's sending out some of His disciples in Luke 10, chapter 10, verses 1-3 through is where we're going to start. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him. So if you think that you need to do this alone because you're tough, guess what? You're wrong. Nobody has to do this alone, and nobody can do it alone. I'm going to stop you right there. That's an American principle, not a biblical principle. It doesn't make you tougher just because you think you can do it alone. From the beginning of the Scriptures to the end, you're going to find that community matters. That partnership matters. That relationship matters. He sends them out two by two ahead of Him in every town and every place where He was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Doesn't sound like any fun, does it? Sounds like Jesus knew what the odds were. Sounds like Jesus knew about your work environment. Sounds like Jesus knew what kind of family dynamics are at play in your life. It sounds like Jesus knew it was not going to be easy to live out your faith. It's not going to be easy to be a disciple. But He sent somebody with you. Right? He puts you in a community like this. He had 72 people there. We have more than that here this morning. Jesus gathered 72 and sent them out. Just think about that. And He sent them out to the places where He was going to go. Isn't that a pretty cool thought? That Jesus sends us out to where He is about to go? That that's the opportunity we have? 
that we get to be that liaison, that introduction to who Jesus is. And he says to go, and then he asks them also to pray to God while they're going, right? To go and to build these relationships, to to go to these places, but he also says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would release other workers in that area to do the work. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The idea is that we all need to be engaged in what we are doing and where we are doing it at. One of the ways that we get distracted is that we start looking at other people. We start either measuring ourselves with others and saying, well, I'm not as bad as them, or maybe I need to do a better job and be more like them, instead of being who we are. Instead of loving God. If you're looking at the people around you for a measuring stick, and if you're looking for them to support you and to to give you all that you need, they're not going to, because the first thing you've got to figure out is how to love God. And trust Him with the outcome. Trust Him with yourself. And stop worrying about what's going on around you so much with other people. Matthew chapter 20, to me, is a, is a story that Jesus uses to tell us a little bit about what some of the struggles are that are going to be that we're going to have. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. And yes, I took into account that Kevin was going to be here, so don't worry, lunch will be okay. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. Then he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. And about five in the afternoon, he went out and still found others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, You also go work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon, they came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us 
who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. That story doesn't sit well with us all the time, does it? First of all, I, I, <laughs> I won't point out anyone individually. I want you to consider the question, what have you been standing around for? Have you not read the slides? Did you not see Kevin this morning? Have you not gotten the text messages? This is just part of what God wants to do through you. To come here together to be regenerated, to be reinvigorated, to have some time to study His Word together inside of the body, to see that you're not alone. Now go get tired and come back. Spend some time pouring out what it is that you have learned. Investing it in other people, in other people's lives so that they can become a disciple as well. So that then they will consume and be able to pour out of the overflow that God gives to them as well, and, and so on and so forth. That's the goal of what we do as a church. That's what we get to do. That we're all in this together. The reality is we spend a lot more time thinking about how fair it is that I do work and that one just sits over there, right? And it stops us sometimes from doing what God wants us to do. That is not the way God designed it. That is our human weakness. That's sin. The idea that we would stand in front of our God and say, I don't know how you let that guy in. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. That's really what this is about, right? That... He is trying to remind you, and I have to tell my kids this all the time because I have three kids and they're all very different. And if I tried to raise them in sameness, it would go terribly wrong, right? Because sameness is not fairness. Get it out of your head. If everybody in this room did exactly the same thing and got exactly the same wages, that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. 
That's not how it's designed. Just because it's not the same doesn't mean it's not fair. We've got to put that aside. We've got to understand why we signed up in the first place. You've got to get to that place where you remember talking to the Master, right? For the first time. When He finally got a hold of your heart and you said, I want to be more like you, Jesus. I want to submit my will to yours. Don't worry about whether or not so-and-so is getting away with what they're getting away with. you got to first figure out who you love. you got to first figure out how much you love God. And every day remind yourself of why you do what you do. Because you were offered a place in eternity through the sacrifice of His Son. That each of us have the opportunity to accept that offer. And that begins our discipleship process. That doesn't make us a complete disciple. That makes us a follower. That makes us part of His kingdom. That makes us eternally secure in heaven. Our eternity is secure. But we've got a lot to learn at times, right? To figure out what it means to be like Jesus is a lifelong process. But you're never going to get there if you're continually looking at what other people are doing and you're not looking at God. If you're not valuing that which God has done for you on an individual basis, that you understand wholeheartedly, yes, I agreed to lay down my life because you laid your life down first for me. The really cool thing is that in Romans, Paul articulates this in a way that, that I have always loved. In Romans chapter 5, 1 through 6, he sums up all of that. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We've been reconciled to God, right? We've become disciples. We've been reconciled to God through our faith because of the grace of Jesus and the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That we get to, we get to tell other people, right? We get to boast about the fact that I've got eternal salvation. That should excite you. If you truly believe it, if you truly understand it at the core of who you are, that cannot be taken away from you. 
And then no matter what happens on this earth, you have been given your wage, right? Because the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life. So He flipped all of that on its head when He hired you for service. When you said, I want to be part of what you're doing. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because you see, just at the right time, didn't matter when, right? Each one of us, it was just at the right time. It doesn't matter if you still haven't committed 100% to Jesus. That right time could be now. Because it's just at the right time when you understand that you are powerless. that we let it go, that we understand where we are, and we understand that just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. All of us. All of the people you work with. All of the people that you have in your family. At just the right time, He died for all of us. That we might understand what it means to be disciples. That we might be willing to be sent out like lambs among wolves. Because we know that the world is not going to understand why we do things. The world is not always going to understand the way we think. But Jesus is sending us out and He's not doing it alone, right? So that we might go ahead of Him into the places that He's about to come. So that somebody there might understand more completely what it is that He has done for them. The idea of being a disciple is you first must love God. So you have got to get it straight in your own head. You've got to figure it out in your own mind and heart. Where God fits what Jesus' sacrifice really meant. To what depth will it impact tomorrow morning? To be a disciple, you've got to figure that out first because that's where you're going to have to stand strong. That's the base. That is the framework on everything else hangs, right? 
that you have got to understand how much God loved you and you have got to love God with all your whole, whole heart, soul, mind, strength. You've got to pour everything you've got into Him first and foremost. It would be great if we had everybody show up on Thursday morning to go help Kevin. But the Scriptures warn us about going down there without love. Because we're just going to be a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. We're going to make a, a bunch of noise and a big splash. But if we don't love them to Jesus because we love Jesus, then it doesn't matter how many cookies we hand out. And Kevin knows that. He's willing to show up every week and hand out a cookie in hopes that they'll read the Word of God. He loves people because Jesus loves people. And that's the true kind of love that we have to offer our world. That we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we understand what that means, and out of the overflow of that, we will then love others. And we'll look at that next week. Because it does matter what you think about the people around you, but you've got to stop comparing yourself to them. You've got to start being thankful that the guy that shows up at 5 o'clock showed up. That he was there. Not that he got paid the same you did. <laughs> you've got to be thankful that he was there. And that's really hard to get our mind around. It runs contrary to how we've lived our lives and what we've seen lived out in our world. It matters. It matters where you start. And I'm telling you, start with loving God. Figure that out and, and things could be very different in your world. I'm not saying that, <laughs> that it's going to be good all the time. Not saying that magically all of your worries disappear, right? You're going to be like lambs among wolves, folks. That's unfortunately what I have to give you. <laughs> but you're not going to be alone either. You're never alone. And your eternity is secure. That's the hope that will never disappoint you. You have that forever. That's what should get you up in the morning. <laughs> the opportunity to be sent out and to begin to pray for the Lord of the harvest to release workers into the harvest field that you would come in contact with people that would link arms with you to do the work of Jesus where you're at. Whatever that looks like. So this week I want you to think a lot about where you are with God. Easter is great. It was a great service. The experience was great. There was a lot of good things there to hold on to. But as Ben warned us, right? Monday came and Tuesday came and Wednesday came and by Thursday we were already worn out. Because we cannot live on an experience. It's all about hope. Hope is the fuel that lasts. It will not disappoint you. So think about what it is that you are doing 
personally to refill your tank? How are you getting closer to God? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you praying and just listening to Him? Are you involved with other people in a small group where you are studying His Word or just at least bearing one another's burdens? All of those things are accessible to you. They are all within your reach. All created inside of this body for its benefit and health. So that we can talk about next week what it looks like to love others. Because <laughs> we've got to be healthy here. We've got to understand what it means to love God first because everything is going to hinge on that. Everything matters there first. I want to pray for you. <laughs> Father, You know the depth of empathy and compassion and feeling is different in all of us. Lord, I pray that You would continue to raise that Lord, that we're not doing these things so that we can look good either. So that people look at us and say, man, I wish I was more like them. That makes us feel good. But Lord, this is about pointing people to Jesus. We have the opportunity to do that. That we have this hope that we get to boast about. That we get to tell others that, that we have this hope and every day I can be reminded that my eternity is secure and I can live in that place and encourage others through it. Lord, I pray that You would help us to love You more today. That You would draw us in. That You would make us more sure of You than yesterday. Father, thank You for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.